Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yeah, that's right. Season two, but ain't nothing new. Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Fran, the weekend has been quite luxurious. Yesterday, I went out, had a beautiful, lovely date of sushi at Chio Sushi Hut with my girlfriend. I indulged in some plum wine. And then when I got home, tipsy, I reached out to the Facebook community to ask, hey, man, what horror movie should I watch? It's October. You know, I want to get some spookies off. Mm-hmm. But in the time that it took for people to respond to me, I'd already found a movie. And I deeply regret watching this movie. So I'm going to reach out to you and mm-hmm. let you know that if you see a movie called Emily on on Netflix, mm-hmm. do not watch this fucking movie. I mean, like, what do you mean do not watch it? Dude, it's so bad. It's bad. Oh, okay. It's so bad. It starts off kind of crazy and psychological. Mm-hmm. It's about this babysitter that comes and she tricks the people in the house. The, she tricks the family into going. They're, they're, it's their anniversary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, got to get a babysitter to watch the kids while right. we go out on a date and go kiss and drink wine. Mm-hmm. It turns out the babysitter isn't the one they hired. She's a crazy lady wanting to steal one of their children. So what? So she so she. They kid, they kid, they snatch the girl. This is this is where it's bad. It's already bad because at the end you're like, wait, how did she know that she had to work at this house? I don't know. They don't explain that. They snatch the girl, uh-huh. and then she goes to the house, and, and the parent, the dad comes to pick the babysitter up that he thought from mm-hmm. her house. She's sitting on the porch. Mm-hmm. She's got blood on her sneakers. She wipes the blood off, and then she just stands up off the porch and just yells to the door that's closed. Bye, mom. Gets in the car, mm-hmm. and they drive to the house. He thinks this is the person that they hired. It's not. They go, introduce him to the kids, whatever, go, and then craziness ensues. She starts doing weird shit, telling them they can eat cookies, and first she seems mad fun. Mm-hmm. Then she starts saying, like, she makes the older brother feed the younger sister's gerbil to his snake, and they're like, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. She finds a dirty movie of their parents, like a parent's sex tape, wow. makes them watch it, and it's, like, psychological at first. She's like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. The second half of the movie, super dumb. I won't go into detail about it, but it's like a bad version of Home Alone. Like a shitty, not great version of Home Alone. So bad. I wish I would have taken any of you guys' suggestions, but I didn't. And just let let it be, okay? How I'm sorry. Uh, like an know. hour and a half. You know, typical hour, mo- typical movie length. Mm-hmm. It just was so bad, man. It was infuriatingly bad. At one point, they live in the suburbs, right? Mm-hmm. The kid gets out of the house, 
And instead of running to his next door neighbor's house, who you can see, mm-hmm. he goes and gets some fireworks out of his treehouse, puts them in a trash can, and then comes up with a plan to like throw the trash can at the at the babysitter as a distraction. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, this the oldest kid is eleven. Mm-hmm. The sister's nine and the, and the baby brother's four. So you would think he would just go outside and start screaming or call the police from mm-hmm. a neighbor's house or something. No. This kid goes in the house and tries to drag two children who are only slightly smaller than him out of the house quietly mm. and fails at it. Was she asleep or something? No, he, the, the, the fireworks thing worked. She oh. burned her face, so he, he had a moment. Oh, okay. He takes them, puts them in his dad's car. He puts them in his dad's car, Fran, at 11. Puts on a, a motorcycle a driver's helmet because his dad used to race cars. Puts on a racer's helmet at night and drives his fa- father's car with his brother and sister in the back seat away from the house. Why? <laughs> they didn't live in the middle of... Oh, my God. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. There were so many other options you could have done. It was a th- that's, what I, that's literally <laughs> what I said. I was screaming at the television, me and Sierra watching. I was like... Why wouldn't you just go to your neighbor's house yeah. or go outside? Why wouldn't you light the fireworks in the middle of the street? Everybody would come outside. <laughs> oh, my God, fireworks. It was so dumb. It was so dumb and waste of my time. Anyway, I'm going to move on from that. We have some corrections corners really briefly. Uh, last week, I mistakenly gave a lot of credit to Kelly Rule when it was, in fact, Katie Rule who won runner-up in the sticker contest. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to clear that up. Honest mistake, though. Uh, apparently they are not twins. Love to, I would love to see the DNA test on that though. Mm-hmm. But you know, K K rule rule, mixed it up. But wanted to clear that up. Katie rule, well done on the cracker on but the. But they sticker. are sisters though, right? They are sisters. Well, yes, yeah, twins to me. So yeah, I mean, if you're sisters <laughs> and you look alike and your names start with the same letter, yeah, y'all are twins to yeah. me. And <laughs> you got to show me the DNA on it. I just, I have to. I, I, I need to see that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but no, it was Katie that won, and congratulations to her. Uh, I want to give credit where credit is due. And uh, I wanted to make another quick announcement that to everyone that is involved in the winning of that, that is Alyssa Turtle, that is Katie Rule, and that is Miss Antoinette Rogers, the glorious champion. Uh, in order to make sure everybody gets something, I'm going to ask you guys to expect... Your prizes, I'm not going to tell Alyssa or Antoinette because they are getting, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell Katie or Antoinette what else to expect. I'm not going to tell anybody what to expect, but I'm waiting on something specifically for Antoinette and Katie, and it hasn't come yet. And then once that comes, I'm going to send everybody their their uh, prizes so they all get them around the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stagger them and then people putting up uh, pictures of their mail and then people start asking me, well, mine didn't come. No. I'm going to send them all out at the same time. I don't want to, you know. It's free stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't even, I wouldn't expect people to be like, where's mine anyway? Because right. it's free. But <laughs> to, in order to, you know, combat that, I'm going to, you know, not stagger it and just mm-hmm. send them all out at the same time. Right. So I would say ex- expect, uh, everybody expect your prizes with like in the first two weeks of November. I need to wait for some stuff to come from Amazon. So just expect them around then. Other than that, Fran, what's going on, man? I feel like it hasn't been long since we've seen each other, but it's season two. Any new updates in the life of Fran? No. No. Just uh, we just, uh, the use. Just the use. We got the house painted inside. That's that's Professionally or you did? Professional. Hell no. Smart man. <laughs> man. My whole house would be a completely different color if we hired professional uh-huh. painters. We only painted the first floor because we did it. 
Like, if we'd hired somebody, this upstairs in the pod loft probably be a different color, too. But it was like, because it was us, it was like, nah, we, we did enough. Yeah, we got the upstairs, the kitchen, and the living room done. Smart. We're so, smart. But other so, than that, yeah. nothing new. It's cool, man. It's How about yourself? Me, um, you know, life is, life is, uh, life is always good, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we're alive. Yeah. You know, bills are paid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm virile as hell. You know, no, e- no ED to be found. No, no, <laughs> no, no pills needed in my life. You know, thankfully, my hairline intact. You know, so how could I complain? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be a horrible person if I complained about my life. You know, so no, life's great, man. Um, work-wise, you know, um, this is kind of the rough part of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, birthday parties are not as lit in the fall-winter season. Um, what I do for a living is more of a summer thing, spring-summer. So it's kind of the slow season, if you will. <laughs> um, but I'm a hustler, man. So, you know, I started donating bone marrow. And you can only do that like once every 30 days, but it's pretty lucrative. So that'll get me through the winter season, almost like a squirrel with nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to store that money. You just got to bounce. You got to bounce the books a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, then, you know, spring will pop back out and I'll be back on my shit, man. Costumes out. I'm in the parties, hitting the splits, crumping, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you got to hang it up in the, in the cold season. You got to uh-huh. just budget. So it won't be as much peanut butter pretzels from Trader Joe's. Mm. The runs won't be as frequent. But, you know, me and Trader Joe's, we got love, so they know I'll be back. But other than that, let's not keep it gloomy, man. You know, you know we're going to keep it fun. Okay. And uh, let's get into these good vibes. Good, 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 good vibrations. That's right, folks. Welcome to another Good Vibes segment. It got a little cold over here on the East Coast, so we always want to bring a little warmth to your heart with some positive news from around the world. Fran, you got anything for me this week? Yes. My Good Vibes story this week is about Anthony Mancinelli. Okay. Italian. So Anthony Mancinelli may may be a staggering 107 years old. Oh. But he is still working full-time as a barber. The same way that he has been doing it for the last 96 years. That Jeez. is crazy. He's been working longer than a lot of people have been alive. Longer than a lifetime for some people, for most yeah, people. 96 years of work? That's crazy. That means you, you... You've been barbering since you were 11? You love what you do. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That's, cr- that's crazy, man. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish this story, but there's not a chance in hell I want to be 107 years old. I Is do. there video of this guy? Yeah. Is he up walking and he's not he's cutting from hands. a wheelchair? No, he's up. Wow. It, he, he'll talk about it. Okay. So Mancinelli dropped out of high school to become a full-time barber at the, at the tender age of 11. When he yeah. turned 96, Guinness World Records named him the world's oldest barber. Over a decade later, he is still going. His secrets to longevity are simple. He has never drank or smoked very heavily. He says that he has never exercised much. He does, however, outlast many of his younger friends by standing on his feet for eight hours a day, mm. five days per week. I hear that a lot, though, about like like guys that work in blue collar fields. Is like mm-hmm. he's eighty years old and he's still doing. It. It's like if he retired, he'd die next week. They, say a, lot, they like, say a lot. 
for, for people that was in the post office too. Yeah, just like you stop moving, mm-hmm. and that's what's keeping you alive, moving and being yep. having a purpose. Wow, ninety six years though. That's he has. He still has a full head of hair. He got like all white hair. <clears throat> he has all his teeth. His hands are still steady on a pair of clippers, and he takes no daily medication. Damn. He, he also says that he only eats thin spaghetti, so he doesn't get fat. Thin spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> like angel hair. All right. That's, I feel like this isn't what most people would say you need to do to stay alive. Like, I don't know. I don't exercise at all. <laughs> it's like, it's, that's, and I eat spaghetti every day, but only thin noodle spaghetti. So he says, quote, I only got to the doc. I only go to the doctors because people tell me to. People tell me to, but even he can't understand it. I tell him he I'm says, cursed. I can't die. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand how I'm still alive. So Mancinelli told New York Times, "I tell him I have no aches, no pains, no nothing. Nothing hurts me." This guy might be a, a vampire, man. Maybe. Mancinelli's customers and coworkers have constantly expressed their adoration for the centenarian. Okay, along with the the tourists and celebrities who flock to the Fantastic Cuts Fantastic Cut Salon, I guess that's the name. Celebrities. And, and New <laughs> Windsor, New York. I mean Who's looking to get their hair cut by a hundred and seven year old man for the for the novelty of it? Like, maybe like Morgan rich, Freeman? Maybe. Like, <laughs> People that the, have the, money, like old rich old guys. I'd love to see this in person. <laughs> We're the same age. New York, uh yeah, new and new Windsor, New York from all over the world to get a haircut from the world's oldest barber. That means you just got money and time just to do yeah, shit. Yeah, like I, 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 <laughs> I love the Guinness Book, and I just flew up to upstate New York to see this guy. This guy definitely, though, I mean, an an old 107-year-old Italian man from New York. I mean, this guy's probably probably pretty racist, huh? I don't know. Oh, he's cutting a black, he cutting a black man's head yeah. in the video. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Um, but this part, is, this part is crazy. It was like, this shit is unreal, this part here. So his, guess how old his son is? Uh, like eighty three years old. Eighty one years old. Wow, that's, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane, you man. Come, you still got to listen to your dad at eighty three. You got somebody in your life that's like, um, dad, could I get some juice out of your fridge? Like, no, that's my juice. Man is eighty one years old, man. Oh man, that's crazy. They must. That's good genetics. That's crazy. They might need to get a a blood sample out of them before they, you know, meet their maker because that's that's not typical at all. One hundred and seven, and your kid is eighty three, and y'all both just out here full hair, teeth. He has his teeth still. Yeah, and his hand is steady. That's he still crazy. can cut hair. That's it's like crazy. his brain should be like mush at one hundred and seven <laughs> years old. He should not know who he is, who his kid is, but he has time to keep up with the appointments. You know how stressful it is to be a barber. I called my barber last week and was like, hey, man, you got 2.30. You'd have thought I'd asked him to a duel. Man. Oh, I... hold on. Oh, shit. Um, can you do, uh, I can do 3.35. And then I come and I'm still, I still don't get my hair cut till 4 o'clock. Yeah. I mean, the other day I had to call my barber and he was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm booked all day today. He's like, I was like, all right, I'll just call next week. He's like, I, I, I can get you 8 o'clock. Yeah. Was... I was like, I was like, all right. And then I was like, I couldn't go. So I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, late. <laughs> I was like, hey man, I can't, <laughs> I can't go. He's like, oh, you the full person. <laughs> I was like, I was like, and then I, it went to, it went to a point where I was like, you still want me to? I mean, my bad. You, you still want me to cut me short? He was like, it is what it is. I was like, all right. I was like, all right, well, that's the life of a barber. <laughs> this is the stressful life of this hundred seven year old man. People canceling him. He has to try to learn how to work an iPhone to keep a, up, up with appointments. 
He probably, oh, probably still uses a piece of paper uh, to write his appointments <laughs> down and a cord a phone. All right, now, well, uh, I guess I'll see you at uh, I see you at 7.15 then. All right, now. Oh, canceled? All right. Always behind. I'll put a line through you. <laughs> his, 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 his barber's chair talk, though, probably the worst. Yeah. My barber will just, my barber's kind of flagrant. Like, he'll just be like, man, you know, what you think about, uh, you think all women like big dicks? You're like, whoa, man, um, your finger's on my lip. Can you, uh, <laughs> can you finish my haircut? I don't want to, I don't want to be looking at your neck while you, uh, or looking you dead in your eyes and I can't escape it while you talking to me about penis size. What, what are you, friend with his dick on, on your knee? Yeah, you know, it's weird, you know, straddling me. Yo, what you think? Like, is it more of the motion in the ocean or like, you know, the package? Like, because like, all the girls, you're like, oh, man, I don't know, uh, man. Hey, cut my hair. Yeah, like, I have <laughs> I have somewhere. To, I have a wedding to be to, sir. And your genitals are rubbing firmly against my thigh right now. And I'm uncomfortable. And we're making eye contact. Genuine <laughs> eye contact while you talk to me about penis size. <laughs> and I'd rather not be doing this right. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, man, I'm not. I'm not a fan. Can I say his name? No, no, uh, no, no. no. What? <laughs> He's not my boss. So no, don't, don't say that, man. That's my man's. Uh, but no, no. <laughs> but imagine a hundred seven-year-old man. Like you know, I remember the first time that Jackie Robinson stepped up to the mouth and his dicks on your knee. <laughs> you know, that's a lot, man. He probably like you know. I'm gonna get your face lined up. Gets like the shaving cream. Uh. No, nah, like, I'm good, I mean, man. I don't need you to switchblade my for, face. For 107, a guy's 107. I would, I think, I would want to hear his stories, cause that's a lot of shit he he. Done you know seen. something? I think I take back what I said, only because I feel like if you're getting your hair cut by a 107 year old man, you're doing it for the novelty of it anyway. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody like one of his regulars is like, all right, what's his name? Oh, uh, Anthony. All right, Anthony, man, I gotta, I gotta be somewhere, man. I just need to come in and get in and get out. I feel like it's more of a relationshipy yeah. kind of thing, so I take that back. Yeah. But most barbers talk too much, and you're like, man, I'm trying to, I gotta yeah. go, man. For him, but for him, it's like, it's like an experience. He's seen so much shit, like, yeah, that is crazy. Uh, let's see, what, like four wars, Jim Crow. Yeah. He was born in like 1906 or something. Yeah, slaves. Yeah. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> his dad had slaves. His dad definitely had a mammy and was like, man, and talks fondly of her like, man, you know, Mammy Patricia used to make the best mashed potatoes, but we had to set her free in 1865. It was it was really hard to say goodbye. She didn't even want to leave. Like, man, that, that she wanted to leave the so bad. <laughs> Don't fondly remember your slaves. Oh man. Anthony's but, dad. But yeah. Uh, his 81-year-old son, Bob, told the Times That's crazy, some of his older customers, he helps them in the chair. Him? He helps them in the chair. The 107-year-old guy? Yeah. He said he'll say to an 80-year-old guy, listen to, listen, when you get to my age, that's what he says. Mm-hmm. Listen to when you, that's, I mean, that's what he says to people. Yeah. And they said people love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel disrespected. I'll never get to your age. <laughs> Some 80-year-old man is like, man, I'm hanging on by a thread now. You think I'm going to hang on for another 30? Are you crazy? Think about how far he is from 80 years old. Yeah. He's 27 <laughs> years from 80 years old. You know how crazy it is to tell a man that's 80 years old? Like, man, you know, when you get to my age, like, I won't. I won't. I'm not going to get to that. That's 27 years from now. I'm, I'm eight, I don't have my teeth. I have a cane. 
My back hurts every day. I can't see out of my left eye. And you think I'm going to make it through another 27? <laughs> Cut my hair. Yeah. So it says Anthony says that he doesn't plan on retiring anytime soon. So he will continue to serve an example of living strong in golden years. In the golden years. I don't think those are golden years, man. Those are like diamond. Those are years that not everybody's getting into those years, man. Your golden he's years are a, like sixty to yeah, seventy. He's in a, an elite club right now. Yeah, that's that's not golden. That's 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 diamond. That's just different. One hundred and seven. You should be despised from SpongeBob. Yeah, you should be. What? <laughs> What why? kind of fade would you like? <laughs> what did he say? Yeah, I mean, that's why when you said he's standing up, cutting hair, yeah. I imagine a 107-year-old person, you're just like uh, a body in a basement with uh, hooked up to machines, refusing to give up life for fear of what could be on the other side. Which is like a skeleton with skin. Yeah, just like, um, Pop, Pop, would you like smoke me? He's like, oh. <laughs> that's what, I mean, 107, that's what I picture. And he's like, uh, so you want me to ball the back and square it? 107, man. That's, That's wild. He man. made Shout it to, to like Anthony. 113. Shout out to Anthony Squinjilly. Saying his name all wrong. What is it? Smancinelli. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Smancinelli. I know it's Italian. <laughs> and me Mancinelli. And man, you drink too much of that plum. Mancinelli? Mancinelli. What am I saying? Smancinelli. I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> Shout out to Anthony Mancinelli. I got a good relationship with the Italians. Much love. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's my good vibes for this week. That was good, man. 107 is crazy. Would you really want to live to 107 years old? Yeah. I want to live as long as possible, man. I got, the thing about it is, I got some longevity in my family. I get that, but like you personally. Yes. You personally, you want to live to be 107. Yes. If I was 107 and Sophie was 87, I'd be happy. That'd be awesome. That's beautiful, man. (laughs) I'm going to move on, man, because that kind of touched me. That was beautiful, man. I I love, that was beautiful, man. (laughs) I don't know what that love is like. Cause I'm like, as of now, I'm like, man, 78. I might be like on my way. I might. That's when I'm starting my bucket list. Yeah, man. I hate when you say that. Yeah, man. I hate like, when you say, you know, 70 is good for me. Like what? You're no, not 70. Like, but like 78, like a little further into 78. That's when I'm. I'm not saying I'm ready to go. I'm saying like that's when I'm gonna start being like, no, man. I might go skydiving. But what if I'm 107, you 106, and we sitting here during the podcast? That would be the most trash. <laughs> <part>. <laughs> like, like, I remember in back in 2003. I, uh, hmm, I don't remember. It was me, you, and, uh, Miles. Oh, Miles, uh, <laughs> he died. Everybody you love died. You're yeah, like, oh, your gone. friends are dead. Like, yeah, every, <laughs> every one of your stories <laughs> makes you sad. You're like, it was so funny. It was me, Marquise, he died oh, uh, 20 years ago. Like, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I don't want to go. When everybody else starts going, you know, 85, you know, wow. like, you know, I've done it all. I didn't seen it all. I got great grandkids. He's probably got great, great, gr- great yeah. grandkids yeah. and alive. He should just be a memory at this point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, should, he should just be some story you tell about your family tree. And he's just, uh, you could go see him. He's hanging on, man. That's wild, man. Shout out to Anthony um, Benson Lally. Um, but anyway... My uh, good vibe story this week is um, this really warmed my heart when I um, read it. So anyway, this is the story of Dwayne DJ Pitts. He is an eight-year-old who uh, started wearing a cape when he was three because of the fact that he was in a hospital so weak and so sick that his family wondered if he, if he would survive. Mm. So what happened was DJ got into some chemicals and drank them like uh, that girl's son and set it off. Mm-hmm. 
um, it burned his esophagus mm. and, and, and just tore his whole throat and his lining of his stomach up. So he was in a hospital and, and uh, he was in a coma for eight days. Wow. And his mom, his mom said the chemical burns went from the tip of his lips to two inches into his intestines, which is insane to me because all those things that say, like, don't ingest this, mm-hmm. it's crazy to think, like, bleach or 409 or Fantastico or whatever. It could literally... It it will burn you like it's, it is a it is a, a chemical that eats away at like rust and you just swallow it and it's on your tissue now. Yeah. So to think of like to hear a story of it destroying somebody and burning, they have chemical burns in their mouth mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff is just crazy. But anyway, so his, his whole inside and his, his track, his digestional tract was all burned up. Uh, it destroyed his inside and doctors at the Children's Healthcare of of Atlanta Hospital. They faced the challenge of helping him recover, and the surgeons ended up having to reconstruct his esophagus and stomach at wow. three years old. So shout out to that hospital and all the doctors that were in surgeons that were involved in that, because that's incredible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, during his many months in the hospital, a nurse came and made him a cape out of a pillowcase, hmm. just to kind of be like, you know, you can survive anything. Like you're a superhero, you use your imagination, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it encouraged his spirit to be strong, even when his body wasn't. Because this kid's laid up in a hospital. I've been in a hospital for minor things, and I know that it you really do feel like, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so, I can't do anything. Mm. So for a kid to get, like, some encouragement and feel like a superhero and da-da-da-da, it's like, great, you know. One day, Ludacris Luda. was at the hospital for an event Woo. and said, hey, there's the Cape Boy. Mm. And it, it stuck. <laughs> That's just the power of Ludacris, man. Uh, and this is not the first time the Ludacris has been mentioned on Good Vibes. This guy would just pop up, buy you some groceries, yeah, pop up at yeah. a children's hospital. Ludacris is 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 a is a great guy, man. Fantastic rapper, better person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took off from there. Five years late. Five years later, DJ still wears a cape and is back at back at uh, Children's Hospital to say thank you. He's learned there's also strength in spreading kindness, helping others, and being grateful. He brought a card and some flowers to someone who helped save his life, Miss Colleen. She's the nurse who became family over the months she cared for him. That's a hard job, too, by the way, man. Like, I, any nurses out there listen to our podcast, shout out to y'all because they see, like, babies die, kids die, and then they 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 still manage the good ones anyway. I would, I, I'm sure there's some that nurses that choose to become detached. Mm-hmm. for that purpose of not taking it home and becoming depressed and all this kind of stuff. But a lot of nurses are like You this. can't blame them, though. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Even like, I, don't, I mean, I can't see another kid die. And I right. gave him a lollipop and told him we were best friends. Mm-hmm. But a lot of nurses do that. Every, like, a lot of nurses are these super nice people who love children and make children feel great about themselves, even though they the, the next day a kid could come in who's terminal. Mm-hmm. And they still make that kid feel super special and connect with them even though they that kid could die or that adult could die or whatever. They, it's just a tough – the medical field is is very – that's not – I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's just yeah. like you, you're, they're humans, and you're making a, a ta- you're making a connections with them and becoming their friends and everything like that, and then they could just die. See that constantly, though? Like, yeah, you, it, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's a tough job. So shout out to all the nurses and doctors out there, man. That, that's, that's a difficult job. So she said it was more than six months, a very long time, to you know, which – you know, to, to be – caring for some a kid you know you become like an auntie or a godmother or whatever you know um they hadn't seen each other in years but the hug they shared showed a bond that has not faded she said you are amazing 
I'm so happy you remembered me after five years. A pillowcase cape and the strength of a little boy who wore it inspired Cape Day. It is a community campaign that has helped thousands of children like DJ in the years since. The annual tradition of Cape Day is back on October 19th, and you can join in the celebration of all the superhero patients by wearing a cape on Cape Day. What's today's day, friend? 29th. Is it? Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, it was yesterday. Oh. Oh, so uh, I would have definitely threw a cape on. Mm-hmm. I have a Batman onesie with mm-hmm. the cape attached to it. That would have been no problem. I might still throw that on just to show support. Uh, in honor of the fifth year of the Cape 21st, Day. 21st, I'm sorry. It's the 21st? Yeah. Okay, so it's Friday. Uh, in honor of the fifth year of Cape Day, there is a Be Someone Superhero Kindness campaign that you are encouraged to do a good deed in the community by... Oh, in the community in honor of the children's patients, which um you should just do anyway. Yeah. I challenge people out there. Again, what I like to do, I think we talked about it sometimes. I, I typically don't do it at Chick-fil-A because when I go to Chick-fil-A, it's a rush hour and people people's orders are typically crazy. But sometimes at 7-Eleven, you know, I'll pay for the person behind, behind me's, you know, snacks. Mm. Just something just something little to just, it makes you feel good and it, it, it restores somebody's faith in humanity. And if I can do that in a small way, I try to do it where I can. Mm. But, you know, I understand. Not everybody has money to just throw around. But, you know, two bucks? To, hey, man, let me get your soda, you know? And you would be amazed at how much a person, somebody might think about that for two years. And it might call, spark something in them to do something even greater, you mm. know? So um, if you won't do it for DJ, just do it for the the greater good, man. We're all in this together. Go out, just do an act of kindness for somebody with no agenda or looking to do to get something from it. You know, I heard a great quote this week that said, you know, basically it said, like, what you what you do for people who can't do anything for you. Shows your true character. Hmm. And also, it's a great way to judge the character of somebody else. Mm -hmm. So seeing somebody and what they do for people who can't do anything for them, that's a person that you should trust and, and put your faith in and get behind. Because that person has no agenda. They're just, they're just, it's it's hard to just call somebody a straight up good person because humans are humans and people have tendencies. Nobody's, you know, just all around good. Mm-hmm. But you can tell the the foundation of a person by what they do for somebody who can't do anything, can't make, can't give them a promotion, can't give them money, can't do it. Just how you treat a person who just, for no reason. Mm-hmm. So I challenge everybody who's listening right now to just go out and just do something good for somebody who can't do anything for you. And with that being said, uh, I want to send us off to. Hmm. I'm going to send this off to in honor of LeBron James in his debut on the Lakers, which was quite the fireworks display. I want to play California love by Tupac Shakur and the outlaws and uh, say, these hands work. Chris Paul, James Harden, all of y'all. Y'all can get these hands. Uh, Fran, I'll let you say Laker Nation because I'm continuing to um, retain that I've, I'm, I'm, I'm not participating this year, even though, you know, we, we know. Hashtag, hashtag Laker. Laker Nation. Got my, yeah, got my well, Laker got, t-shirt got on. Laker, Laker t-shirt on right yeah, now. Man. So you can say Laker Nation. And yeah. I, I am um, abstaining from choosing a team to root for publicly. Even though inside of my house it is very well known what I do. Lincoln um, Nation. Uh, L.A. Brown. Uh, anyway, yes, we will be taking a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. So stay tuned.
welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest. Like a best for your Jimmy in the city of sex. We in that sunshine state where the bomb ass him be. The state where you never find a dance floor empty and pimps be. All right, we are back, Fran. I believe you are kicking off season two. Please, what is your affirmative murder this week? All right, my affirmative murder this week is Darren Dion Van. Ooh. So DDV. A, yeah, this is an African-American guy. So Van was born on March 21st, 1971 in Indiana. He was married for 16 years to a woman who he was 30 years older than, older oh, than him. Oh, wow. 30 years older than him. Oh, yeah. okay. Cougar. He was, re- he was reportedly arrested in Gary, Indiana for threatening the life of his girlfriend. He was charged with a Class D felony, which is, um, I looked at it, which is like, I think it's less than less than 10 years, but five or more years in prison. He murdered her or he assaulted no, her? No, it was an assault. Oh, okay. It was, yeah. Nothing and, good happens in Gary, Indiana since Michael, J- Michael Jackson left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he spent 90 days in jail. Van was previously convicted on September 28th of 2009, Travis County, Texas, of a sexual assault committed in, in Austin in 2007 and sentenced to five years in a state penitentiary, being released on June 5th, 2013. Okay. His wife, Marion Van, filed for divorce in August 2009. So that was, um, yeah, so that was before, yeah, way before he got released. That was when he was in prison. Yeah, him. she was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, and then marriage was dissolved in April 2010. He received in... Other than honorable discharge from the United States Marine Corps in 1993 after joining in 1991. Oh. So that was just his personal life there. Yeah. Van's life crimes, his, his, his crimes date back to 2004. So the police caught him red-handed in, in a case where he, it was some girl he was messing with. So this is why he was, this is while he was married. Uh-huh. So this was his, one of his mistresses or whatever at the yeah. time. So standing outside. Standing outside her her house, he had a gas can and a lighter. Mm. So he he then raped he raped a sex worker in Austin, Texas. Which Whoa. yeah, and then and wound up with six years uh, six year sentence for sexual assault. So in August 2010, Thomas Hargrove, and this is what I'm about to talk about. I'm gonna talk about what I bring up in this later on because it was I. Because, you know, when you start reading shit, uh-huh. and then you go, like, basically to a rabbit hole. I just went, I just yeah, started reading, started in, clicking yeah. and shit. So I was like, I'm like, let me get out of this. So in August 2010, Thomas Hargrove, a reporter with Scripps Howard News Service, used an algorithm, which was later later the basis of the Murder Accountability Project, which Thomas founded, okay. to analyze crime data, which strongly suggests a serial killer was at work in Gary, Indiana. Mm. So this dude did his little research, and it was like, hey, you know, what I did or whatever calculations I do, uh-huh. there's a serial killer out here. And, you know, he mentioned it to the police department, but they were like, oh, it's not enough evidence for, yeah. for us or whatever. So Hargrove repeatedly urged the local authorities to investigate 15 suspicious deaths in the period of 1980 and 2008, mm. identified by his work. The local authorities denied there were any evidence showing a serial killer was at work. A Gary, a Gary deputy coroner, whose suspicions were also rebuffed by the local police, agreed with Hargrove and also added three suspected victims to the list. To the list of the guy that nobody believed. Yeah. This is this sounds 
very familiar to the Grim Sleeper, I would imagine that a lot of those women are probably sex workers, and a lot of the police, a lot of the detectives were just like, "Yeah, man, well, no, they, those women just died in the line of duty." Well, I'm about to get to that. Okay, cool. So Van was arrested. So he was arrested for the murder of. When I see her name, it sounds like I want to see Africa, but it's it's a freak. I'm I'm I didn't a see it's A F R I K K A. I mean that kind of sounds like Africa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like there's no way that's her name. Why not? Gotta she doesn't look the, African. Got love for the motherland. <laughs> I mean, I guess is she brown? She's like light skinned Then she looks African, man. Don't 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 hey. <laughs> Don't be colorist to <laughs> to your sister, man. Okay, oh, her name is Africa. She's we all Afrika. come we all come back to the African diaspora. Okay, brother. No. Hey, bro. Hey, brother. <laughs> hey, don't be colorist, man. Africa Hardy. Her name is Africa. Africa. Yeah, Africa Hardy. Afrika. So Van confessed to the police. He told them about six other women who he had killed and led law enforcement on a disturbing scavenger hunt, pointing out the houses, and in some cases the rooms that he left these 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 bodies in or where his victims and corpses could be found despite showing the police where he had where he hid the bodies van pled not guilty in court so these six women turned out to be Ennis jones tiara Beatty, christine williams sonia billingsley tracy tracy martin and tanya gatlin whom all disappeared in 2014 mm. oh wow that's crazy yeah so Based on the research, they was they were saying that most most serial killers establish patterns. So they said their killer, they, they kill their victims with one single method and dispose their bodies in the same way each time, ritualistically. Uh huh. So this is true for Van. He strangled his victims sometimes with his bare hands and other times with electrical cords or a piece of jewelry. The piece of jewelry that the victims were wearing at the time. Oh, yeah. Like a like a necklace. Like a necklace. Yep. Wow. He then placed their bodies in abandoned houses in the city of Gary, Indiana. In some cases, these houses were used as flop houses, and they were full of detritus left behind by drug users and homeless and the homeless, and people who committed who I'm sorry, people who wouldn't complain about the stench of the dead body. So they was just trash. They got pictures of these houses as just abandoned houses. It's every city, man. Yeah, abandoned houses, fucking furniture and shit in there, and it's shit everywhere. And you got bodies just landing there, and it—I mean, sad man. It's—it's it's nothing happening. It's—it's—it's—it makes me sad how systematic a ghetto is. Yeah, like when you hear that, that sounds like Baltimore. Yeah, that sounds like Detroit. That sounds like parts of L.A. That sounds like parts of Chicago. It's just these 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 neighborhoods that everybody, the whole city, just gave up on. No funding. And instead of tearing them down, they just sit there, mm-hmm. ripe for criminals to stash things in, murderers to use to hide bodies, you know, people just just dangerous places, people to kidnap kids and rape them in these abandoned buildings. There's neighborhoods in Baltimore that are a block that are just nobody lives there. Yeah, all the houses are boarded up, and it's just still there. The backs of the houses are fall falling down. Mm-hmm. You can look through a window and see through the house to outside. You know, at nighttime, that's like that's that's a playground for a yeah. sick fuck. You know, like that's and it's just crazy that it's just it's so it's such a pattern. Like it's not singular to Baltimore, it's not singular to Chicago, and it's all the same 
layout, liquor mm-hmm. store, pay by day motels, and you know, it's just it's just so fucked up, man. Abandoned buildings. That's crazy that you can even a person could kill fifteen people in in one little area like that, and nobody is. Everybody's like, oh yeah, man, that's just what happens there. That's why. I mean, oh, man. it's just it's just a vacant house, and nobody's like nobody has a reason to go there. It's like. You can kill somebody, leave a body there. But even that, like the the, the fact that there's a population of people too that nobody will miss. You know, victims of of drug abuse, victims of sexual, you know, uh, uh, exploits and and, and, and prostitution and all these kind of things that just everybody gives up on them. And it's just if you're crazy enough to have an urge to kill, Mm -hmm. there's a you can there's a neighborhood you can go to where there's women and men. Addicted to drugs, walk in the street who nobody's gonna miss. Mm. And you can just kill them, throw them in a building. Nobody's gonna check the building. Nope. They're just gone. Yep, that's wild. So Van used the website Backpage. I'm sure you heard that before. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Fifty Roses get you a lot on Backpage, bro. <laughs> Back hey. when my single days, Backpage was very much a fun time. Whoa. Uh, we gonna leave it at that. Wait, move on, man. <laughs> hey, man, move on. No, nope. we need some more info about that one. <laughs> Look, man, if you're familiar with the Rose system. You know what I'm talking about. Nah, if you're not, nope. move on. All right, okay. We, we can move leave, on. We're going to leave that there. Yeah, so Van used the website Backpage, a classified ad site that that is popular with sex sex workers to contact Hardy, who had placed a personal ad there. Van's username was, guess, just guess what his username was. So, uh, oh, I likes to fucks with an X. <laughs> no, that's not it. Likes to fucks. No, nah, that's not it. So his username was Big Boy Appetite. Oh, <laughs> ew! <laughs> That's way grosser than I likes to fuck to me for some reason. That's like perverted. Ew! <laughs> I have a big. I got a big boy appetite. Yeah. <laughs> so he lured he lured his other his other victims through the site through the site as well, answering their personal ads, which solicited which solicited, solicited dates. That's what it you know mm-hmm. the category. Oh, I'm familiar. That were uh that were actually, oh I guess that's a name. Oh, okay, okay. What like Johns? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were actually ways to find Johns for their prostitution business. Mm-hmm. So Van, like again, he was a su- suspected for killing at least seven women, but it, it could be more. So wait, but before you move on, so you gonna you never been on Backpage? No, never. Missed out, man. <laughs> I, I, I guess. If I had known, I would have recruited you. I thought nah. you was also getting yours off. I thought everybody was on Backpage nah. back when we, when we was living single life. No, sir. You go on Backpage, man, it's, it's simple. You go on there, it's like, oh, I'm just a single Why young you, woman looking for a good time and a man who's willing to uh, give me 126 roses. Nah. No, no, uh, you know, no beast, no... Uh, no cuddle, no bang, and it's just periods, you know, like like uh, bullet points of the stuff. No, you know, things that you're not allowed to do, <laughs> and you know, uh, HMU if interested, and then you just go, yeah, man, uh, will you do blank for 106 roses extra, and then bang, and meet me at the McDonald's. Boom. What do you? Why you keep saying roses? I don't understand. Roses, man. Look, if you know the currency, you know the currency. If no, you don't, don't I'm not going to. Dev- I'm not going to break that. You're back, explaining back, it to me. I don't back know. Backpage doesn't exist anymore, man. So I'm not. I'm not a hot boy. I'm not going to. I'm not going to expose. I'm not a snitch. I'm okay. not going to expose what roses are. Uh-huh. If you know, you know. You just explained the process, though. But I express. I explained the process of going on a date on Backpage. That's all I did. I'm just going out on a date like a, a regular person. I didn't say anything weird or illegal. You uh-huh. just got to bring roses to your date, and if she asked for specifically 126 roses. Then that's what you got to bring. I don't know what you mean. Money is that money? 
it's it's what it, it is what it is, man. All right, man. Well, we gonna like like you said, we gonna move on because I don't know. Yeah, what man. You're let's just about. move on, man. I just right. was wondering. I just wanted to clarify. I wanted to give you a chance to be honest, and you did. <laughs> so, nineteen year old Afrika Hardy was Van's final victim. He killed her on October nineteenth, two thousand fourteen. He left her body in the bathtub of a room in a Motel Six in Hammond, Indiana. When authorities found her body, which was covered in used condoms. Oh, God. Yeah. What do you mean? Just thrown about? Just thrown all over her. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Wow. That's disgusting. That's disrespectful, too. They noted that she had been strangled with Van's hands as as well as a cord. For her part, Hardy was a local sex worker who who kept constant contact with her business partner. So this is... Her business partner in what? Sex work? Yeah, I'm guessing her best friend. pimp? Maybe. Well, it says her, so they, they bring her up uh, with, with her business partner. When Hardy didn't respond to her partner's texts and calls. There's a system. Her partner, way. yeah, her partner went to her motel room. So I'm guessing she was using this She same. was another sex worker. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they have kept systems contact. like every two, when you go with somebody, call me afterwards so I know you're not Oh, you're right, not right, dead. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yep, so she went to her hotel room and found her found her body. Her partner called 911. The authorities checked the surveillance tapes and saw that Van was the last person to be seen with her. Mm. His vehicle his vehicle was caught on video outside of the motel, making him fairly easy to find. Yeah. I mean, I guess you he didn't can't get away with You can't <laughs> get away with killing. There's cameras everywhere. You, yeah. This is 2014, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't kill somebody in 2014, not in the middle of the woods, and not expect to be caught on camera. Mm-hmm. Traffic cameras. The light, the street lights have cameras on them. Restaurants have cameras in front of them for security. Everything's on camera. Yeah. So Tracy Martin, who was 41 of Gary, Indiana, was reported missing on June 26, 2014. Her body was found in an abandoned house on 2200 Massachusetts Street in Gary on October 19. It was clear that he had that he used her own necklace, which was still around her neck, mm. to string her to death in a house littered with junk. So it was just again abandoned house. Yeah. Uh, her body was left on the second floor uh, on the second floor bedroom. Only 48 hours earlier. Police had been in the house searching for Martin, who had been missing since 2014. So they was there looking for her, right? Yeah. It they was just came, too cluttered. They came back to look for her again. And then she was And there. then they found her. It's just shit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. Oh, uh, again, about what I was saying, you know, I used to go in those houses all the time, man. Because, you know, JJ, a uh, uh, close, close personal friend of the podcast. He does insurance in Justin. Right. And he used to pay me to be a security. Mm-hmm. Those houses are disgusting because they're abandoned by people who are, you know, get evicted or can't mm-hmm. keep up with the money. So they just, they just, they just leave yeah. and leave everything behind. And then homeless people come in, shit on the floor, uh. you know, squat, pee in jars. So you go in, it's just, you walk in, it's just shit on the floor. Mm. You ever just seen a shit on a floor? Nah. It's so out of place. You walk up into a walk into a foyer of a house and it's just a shit on a cardboard. <laughs> it's wild, bro. So those those abandoned houses, those row homes mm-hmm. in every all these cities, when you see the boarded up with the numbers spray painted on them, you pull back them boards. You don't know what you'll find in those houses, man. It's crazy. That's disgusting. It's it's what people shit in a toilet that doesn't work just to they pile up just to just to uh, create some kind of sense mm. of organization. Like this is the bathroom, but the water's off. Mm. You shit in a toilet that doesn't have water in it. Wild, bro. And I just gotta sit there while he's mapping out the floor, the layout of the house. Did you bring like some of your 
to cover your face? Or? Yeah, he had a surgical mask. Oh, okay. And I'll have my flashlight and pretend like if a homeless person jumps out, I got your back. I mean, what were you going to do? Run. <laughs> and you, I would go, run. I would be the person to like almost like I'm the starter pistol. Like, oh, now we run. <laughs> so those houses are crazy, man. I told you one time there was a person in there. Yeah, you told me. That's Yeah, man. No, they, they be in there squatting. Run the electricity from a house that does have power with uh, extension cords and uh, just be in there squatting. That's crazy. So that's, yeah, man. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you couldn't find them. It's a fucking seven lives of of living in the house. 15 mattresses and little mm. kid toys and pills and empty beer bottles and shit, man. It, those houses are crazy, man. They need to just tear them all down. That's wild. Yeah, so she had been missing since June of 2014. Her mummified body was in mm. a closet that they had overlooked. Like, again, they, they, they missed it. That's just what part they didn't look at. So Van said he killed her because he was, quote, mad. Oh. And, quote, well, she was the first go. person she he ran into. Wow. So it was just no... Well, that's a good reason, I yeah, guess, huh? Just, basically, it was no reason. It was crazy. He was just... I was pissed, and she was there. She was there, yeah. Yep. His next victim was, this is no order, by the way. Oh, okay. this, So Christine, Wo- next victim was Christine Williams, who owed him $40 worth of, worth of crack that he sold her. Oh, he was a crack dealer too? Guess so. Wow. <laughs> so he believed that she has, he believed that she skipped town on him Over in order $40? to avoid, yeah, to order, in order to avoid paying the debt. But in reality, Reality, she had been arrested and spent a few days in jail. Once she was released, Van hunted her down and strangled her. I mean, not the, I mean, him strangling her is not funny, but the fact yeah, that no, he thought over forty dollars, he thought she bought a plane ticket and left town. Yeah, over forty dollars. Yeah, that's crazy to think, and the level of poverty that that is is I can't even fathom it. <laughs> to think that that's what a person would do. To avoid paying you forty dollars, as opposed to like not answering your phone calls, just mm-hmm. you know, avoiding you. No, this bitch, she left town, mm-hmm. and she's gonna pay me my forty dollars. And I will bet he isn't a crack dealer. I bet they smoked crack together, and he thinks like you smoked you more crack. You like owe me for the crack that you smoked. Yeah, I mean. They only said she was in jail a few days. So, yeah. I mean, why would he think that she just pops you, up? Yeah, like I couldn't find you for, for for a few days, so you must have left. You Clearly, you went to uh, Columbia and got a new identity to not pay me my $40. <laughs> Fuck out of here, man. You're crazy as hell, man. Yeah. Yeah, so he hunted her down and strangled her hunted before her placing her body in the basement of an abandoned home and covering it with a plastic, plastic drop cloth. By the time police found her in 2014, she was... So badly decomposed that they needed dental records to ID her body. So these, these Let's think about the fact that that's all he had to do was go to an abandoned building, go in the basement, put her there, and just throw a cloth over her, and they didn't find her for like a year. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, these bodies are sitting in these abandoned. Like, if you think about it, it's like how many bodies could be found in abandoned home abandoned homes now? I man, touched on it on the wire, man. It's one of the best shows ever. But like season four of the wire. Chris and Snoop, who were like the hitmen in The Wire, mm. they were killing people for their drug dealer boss and just throwing them in a building and dusting them in lye and then nailing the buildings back up with the wood with the wood board, put the wood board back on the doorway and nail it back in. Mm-hmm. And then that's what they were doing. That's just it. They would be like, all right, cool. He's dead and gone. That's crazy. And then at the end of the show, they found 
a hundred people. Because mm-hmm. they caught one person, the person was like, y'all should check in those abandoned houses. Mm-hmm. And so they started ripping the houses up, the doors off the houses, and they fa- they had enough bodies to be in a gymnasium of a, of a high school, just bodies. So yeah, you could probably find a lot of bodies in the in those buildings. But I mean that's that's e I mean that's easy. It's easy work. It's it's ridiculously easy, man. Think about I use Baltimore as a template because I know how close it is to so many other cities. How many abandoned buildings do you drive by just in a just a quick trip to the city? I mean a couple hundred, yeah, man. Yeah, you, a, a couple hundred, man. Yeah. Just with a a dirty wood board on mm-hmm. the door stapled to the wall. And then that's just nobody lives there now. Yeah. Hundreds of them. And that's just casually driving by a, a neighborhood really quick. <laughs> yeah. So imagine how many neighborhoods when you really go into deep into West Baltimore, deep into East Baltimore, and how many abandoned buildings are thousands. There's thousands of just graveyards, man. Yeah. For just even if they're not graveyards right now, potential graveyards. So many bodies, man. So his next victim was Tierra. Tierra Beatty, who was 28, of Gary, Indiana, left to meet a friend on January 13, 2014, but she never returned. Her family waited to hear from her for a few days and reported her missing. Later that month, her body was found in another abandoned house at 1800 East 19th Avenue in Gary on October 19th. His next victim was Sonia Billingsley, who was 53 years old, of Gary, Indiana, was reported missing on February 7, 2014, her body was also found in an abandoned house. And her body was found with another body, one of his victims, Tanya Gatlin, who who I'll mention next. So her and Tanya Gatlin was both, you know, their bodies were found in together. the same together in the yeah. same building. Uh and, yeah, so they was found the same day, yeah. And his last victim, or possibly his last, I mean, who knows? Annis Jones, who was 35, of, Miller, of Maryville, Indiana, was last seen alive on October 8th, 2014, and reported missing two days later. After Van was arrested, he... And, and then this... Yeah, so after Van was arrested, that's when he went on that search again, as I mentioned before, when he was showing the police all his bodies. So even though Van only confessed to seven, seven murders, some believe that he killed many other women. According to Thomas Hargrove who, you know, was trying to help the FBI. Yeah. This uh, is the guy that came up with the algorithm. Yeah, right? created the database of unsolved homicides. A number of prostitutes were killed in Gary, Indiana, in the area from the 1990s to the 2000s. So the deaths stopped for several years, which was the same time that he went to prison. And so they were saying that, you know, coincidentally, these stopped when, he's go to, when he goes to prison. This right. has to be the guy. Yeah. So then when he got when he started back up again, which was twenty thirteen, which was the same time he was released from prison. So although it's perfectly legal for an accused person oh wait. This is the this is the case. Okay. Okay, so now he's on trial. Now, how many stories do we hear about people or about serial killers that try to represent themselves in court? A, f- 
a few. It's not a. It doesn't happen a ton. Yeah. But when it right. does, it's always it's, like, it's always it's, like, it's always interesting when they do. Yeah. It's like well. You know, it's like, well, this dude is crazy. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, think that sure. he's going to you know, yeah. <laughs> beat seasoned lawyers in any yeah. case. So he tries to represent himself. Of course. So although it's perfectly legal for an accused person to represent themselves in court, not without the help of a seasoned lawyer, it's not recommended in cases involving the death penalty. Van, however, for the first time at least, served as his own lawyer in court. In 2015, he declared that he wished to represent himself during his murder trial. However, he later changed his mind and hired an attorney. <laughs> I mean, duh. He was like, um, Your Honor, are you familiar with bird law? And they're like, uh, what? And like, um, never, never mind. Um, can I get a public defender? Can I get a public defender? Never mind. This is as easy as I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> so he said this may have been a way to postpone his trial. Which is now scheduled for 2018. So this is oh, this is recent. Yeah, this is no, it's over now. It was oh, like in, okay. it was like in March. Oh, so yeah. So when 19-year-old Afrika Hardy was found strangled in the Motel Six, authorities used Hardy's phone records and located Van. Upon apprehension, Van was found to have possession of several key pieces of potential evidence, which included Hardy's phone. I bet it was an Obama phone. Why? Why would this you? just reeks of a bunch of people <laughs> with Obama phones. I mean, why would you just... You remember the Obama phone, right? I mean, yeah, I never had one, but... Yeah, of course you didn't. You aren't dirt <laughs> poor. It was, they, it was a program. Obama was looking out. He's like, look, man, it's 2016. We just free flip phones? Yeah, you know, just free little simple phones. Everybody got to stay in contact. It's crazy to not have a cell phone in, in this day and age. That's how they kept tabs on you? Government? Probably. I mean, it definitely. They, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, what better way to keep tabs on people that you know have a higher rate of committing crimes than giving them a phone? Yeah, that you can probably monitor. You know, set up. But still, you know, you might need to just call your mom. You know, Obama. Thanks, Obama. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, during police interrogation. Oh he wait, had, so you think all these people just had iPhones? No, nah, I, I just think they, they. I just thought they had you know burn burn the phones. You know they. Yeah, Obama phones burn the phone too. It's type a type. Yeah, but they know what you was doing though. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, don't do you dirt. Don't that, sell yeah. drugs on an Obama phone. They probably call, they probably called the hell of people on that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. People are stupid, so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so during police interrogation, he allegedly confessed to his involvement in Hardy's killing and told police he was involved in other killings. His first first court hearing was scheduled October twenty second. However, it was held in contempt of court. His next hearing was held on October twenty eighth in Lake County Jail in Crown Point where he pleaded not guilty to two charges of murder filed against him. So it this happened a couple of times where it just kept getting postponed. And, yeah. And it started, what, 2015? Uh, no, that's not when it started. Uh, 27? Yeah, 2015. Oh, 2015? Yep. So, yeah, so he he pleaded not guilty to the two, jo- two charges of murder filed against him in the deaths of Afrika Hardy and Anders Jones, as well as robbery. His trial was originally postponed to begin in on June twenty second of twenty fifteen, but his trial was dated was his trial date was canceled on April seventeenth of twenty fifteen when the request for a death sentence was filed. Oh wow. They wanted yeah. to get him out of here. Yeah. So the trial date of June twenty second, twenty fifteen was subsequently restored. Van's author- attorneys requested that the trial be delayed. And the trial was begin was again delayed to January twenty fifth of twenty sixteen. In December twenty fifteen, the Lake Superior Court Judge Diane Ross Boswell recused is that recused? Mm-hmm. Recused herself from hearing the case. The judge? <laughs> yeah, the judge. 
So then Judge Samuel Capis subsequently said he would take the case. I mean, I've never, I don't think well, I've seen that before. A lot of stuff that can happen is that you might not have the details is sometimes uh, somebody's representation can go, oh, the judge has been corrupted by the news stories that are in the public, so the judge won't be able to give a fair hearing. And if they can prove that, then the judge has to recuse themselves. Oh, or if they, go, if they go, the judge has a relationship with the, with the defendant in some kind of way. If they can prove in some kind of way that the judge can't give a fair hearing... Uh-huh. Then they can get you recused. They tried to do that. To That's ju- crazy. I they tried to yeah, they tried to do that to Judge Ito in the OJ case because he was dating like a a security guard or something. They it was some kind of way that the person he was dating mm-hmm. was either a, a lawyer's assistant or something like that or an, or a corrections officer. So the corrections officer like had to recuse themselves from the situation in order for Judge Ito to be able to stay on the on the trial. Either that or. The, there was another judge before Judge Ito, but I don't okay. think it was. I think that what happened was the person that he was dating had to be like, all right, well, I'm, I can't be involved in this because we date. Either I have to go or you have to go. But if they can prove any kind of potential foul play, mm-hmm. you have to recuse yourself. Damn. Like your lawyer, you can't be fucking your lawyer. Right. If, you were, if you're fucking your lawyer or whatever, they, you have to recuse yourself. You can't be like a personal relationship kind of thing. It can't go down like that. So you have to recuse yourself. The same thing with uh, juror, pu- juror pools. Like a, that's one way to get out of jury duty. If you go like, yeah, I used to fuck him, <laughs> or I used to fuck her, so I can't give an honest judging. That's go, crazy. All right, well, we'll replace you. I didn't know that. That's crazy. So in December twenty fifth, mm, damn, in December in December twenty fifteen, Van's trial was delayed to July twenty five twenty fifth of twenty sixteen. Damn. I mean, it just it just kept going on and on. So on March 7th of 2016, Van was charged with the murder and the deaths of five additional victims. Mm. The death penalty was originally sought for each. The following, I mean, is that necessary? Well, as I as as we continue to do this podcast, I learn a little bit more and it's like I learn how crazy the criminal justice system is. So you push for it on all five because you might not get you what if you get don't get them on four. Oh, okay. What if in four of them that his lawyer is able to go, this was second degree. So he it just increases your chances purpose. of getting it. Exactly. Okay. It's like if you go for the death penalty on all of them, it increases your odds on conviction on one of them. Oh, okay. But it could happen that all five are, you know, no death penalty. But if you do all five, your odds you go up. That means they really, they really wanted this guy. To, they wanted to fry this guy. Yeah. So the following day, Van was charged with rape and attempted murder for for an alleged February 2014 attack. Van was also charged with the battery by bodily waste for allegedly throwing a carton of urine and feces at a Lake County correctional officer at the jail. That's disgusting. <laughs> on, on February 25th, 24th of 2016. That shit happens a lot, though. Like, if you watch Lock nah, Up Raw... Nah, bro. That's it for me. No. Nope. I'll take that damn... Quit? Yeah, I'm out of here. I'm I'm clocking out now. You still got three hours left on your ship. No, I nah. quit. I'm <laughs> done here. I don't want to work here anymore. Nah. That shit, you watch Lock Up Raw, that's like, that's why they put, they'll put them in like a spit guard chair and put oh, their thing, yeah. a mask on them so they can't spit on you. And that's why they have those latches on the doors so that sometimes they'll open those doors and when you try to go feed them, mm. throw piss and shit out, you have through the little slit in the door. Lock Up Raw is crazy. Nah. <laughs> you, throw a, you throw a carton of piss and shit on me, not only am I quitting, but if it's my shift there, I'm unlocking your cell 
and we got to get a shaking for five. You owe me five minutes, and I'm gonna beat the shit out of you nah, too. I don't know about that either. That might be a serial killer. I'm not. Nah. I'm, I'm gonna just quit. I'm gonna just be like, he's a bitch. He, I bet <laughs> not ever see. Like, That's why I got freedom. <laughs> Guess where I'm going? Home. You don't get to do that. I'm going home. You bitch. Talk all kind of shit. <laughs> Spell home out. I'm gonna go home and have sex <laughs> with my wife. Something you'll never do. Ho. And then just leave. Right. With your head held talk, high. Yeah. I piss and the shit and shower off, man. Unless he see you. Unless he catch you slipping. Get a. <laughs> he catch you lacking then. He escapes because that happens, you know. Yeah. Get in the pile on you. He, he go, he he go is, straight to your house. He, yeah, he escaped for you. <laughs> I'd be like, man, you threw piss on me. Yeah. Like, and I, I had to find a new career. You st- <laughs> and you're going to kind of come try to escape and kill me? This is ridiculous. No, nah, I don't want to be a corrections officer. I'm good. That's one That's one uh, career path I never thought about taking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in April 20, 2016, Judge Samuel denied a motion by Van's attorney to Several of the, the murder cases of Ennis Jones and Afrika Hardy. And as a result, the Capitol murder trial and said, in said cases would have continued as one. And oh, so they tried to stop him from being able to get a bunch of different outlets to be able to get convicted for a death penalty? Yeah. They wanted to wrap it all into one case. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't end up, he doesn't, it, it doesn't happen in the death penalty. Oh, yeah. wow. So, because he ended up, you know, he. He ended up pleading to a deal, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, that's basically what happens. In the motion filed in August August 5th, 2016, Vans attorneys argued that Indiana's death penalty law is unconstitutional. Mm. In November 2016, Judge Samuel denied Vans' motion to declare the state's death penalty... What is it? Statute? Is that it? Statute? Yeah, you're right. In November 2016, Judge Samuel denied Van's motion to the to to declare the state's death penalty statute unconstitutional. In January 2017, a Lake County judge decided that Van Van could make an appeal with his claims that Indiana's death penalty statute is unconstitutional. In April 2017, the Indiana Supreme Court turned down Van's request to look at the to look at the constitutionality mm-hmm. of the state's death penalty statute before he goes to trial. I mean, for somebody that doesn't know anything about being a lawyer, uh-huh. this is a lot of shit. No, but he had hired a lawyer at this point, right? Yeah, but I'm talking about for me. Oh. Me reading this is like, oh yeah, no. damn. Yo, uh, being a lawyer, <laughs> when you're not, like when you're a lawyer for, uh, the, like, for the defense mm-hmm. and you're trying to beat a murder case, when you're not, you know, trying to game the system because you know your criminals, you know your defendant is guilty, mm-hmm. which happens a lot. Sometimes it's like, it's not about what you know, it's what you can prove. When you're not doing that, being a lawyer is the most arbitrary, boring thing in the world. You're just reading books and looking for precedences to bring up in court. Like, um, uh, in, in reference to the, uh, the uh the death penalty in this state mm-hmm. if you if you cite uh Johnson versus Johnson 1936 there's just no precedent for that you have to you just you're reading all the time that's why they get paid so much money because you I don't want to read it yeah. and I can't comprehend it so I'll pay somebody to do it for me but it's so much work and so much reading that that's why they can I'm I yeah my retainer's $35,000 I need you to But what about the lawyers that just getting started and got to do this shit and like Every lawyer, not even, you know, every lawyer's basic ability should be to be able to read and comprehend all this stuff. And then 
the lawyers who can spin things, that becomes a different level of talent. Like Johnny Cochran, mm. like the guy that got Casey Anthony off, being able to read it and manipulate it and go, you know, this isn't this. What really happened is they were molested, and then you you distract them. Yeah, I that's think, a different level of talent. Yeah, yeah I that's think theatrical for talent. that stuff like that. I feel like that's a that's a God's gift. Yeah, because Johnny Cochran nobody, could do all this shit you're saying, like yeah. appeal and get the get the court case pushed back because of some some little thing in a book he found, a mm-hmm. a, a precedent that he found, and say, well, yeah, no, lo- uh, the judge can't be. Uh, Puerto Rican on a Sunday so you have to recuse yourself like they can find all those little things but being able to go out and be like <laughs> uh, if it's brown you gotta let it down and then the people are like <laughs> oh shit yeah and the, that's a different level of thing but every lawyer has the ability because of all the years of law school yeah. and all that stuff to and then read experience and comprehend and then you, that yeah experience and you remember shit from other cases that's yeah. crazy yeah. like that's why nobody wants wild. a lawyer that just started yeah you gotta have it's like you know nobody wants to uh Nobody wants to be a fighter or, well, I guess everybody, everybody wants to fight a fighter that hasn't fought before because mm. the one you don't want to fight is the guy that's been in 50 fights. Yeah. Because he knows, he knows what it's like to get hit in the face. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. You know, so yeah, no, you, you don't want some fresh faced lawyer. That's, I mean, it's just, you got to go to school. Oh, yeah, no, I, just, I, I never had a desire no. to be a lawyer. Yeah, me either. I mean, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. I, 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 I said so much shit that I <laughs> told, just because I knew my grandmother would be like, that's impressive. That's that just you like said that. that's just like saying I want to be a policeman. Yeah, and you walk around with your badge and your gun. Then it's yeah. like mm. I told my grandmother when I was eight, I wanted to be a computer engineer. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I just knew it that sound. It just sounds like some yeah. shit. Where she's like, "Oh my my grandbaby, look, you know what he said." And then yep. you feel like I did say that, grandma. Yeah, and you feel all proud of yourself. I don't want to be no damn computer engineer. <laughs> I don't know nothing about no computers. Fuck out of my face. <laughs> So at a status hearing in April 2017, Judge Samuel set jury selection to begin the week of February 12, 2018, with the actual jury trial beginning around March 12, 2018. Jesus, this this really dragged out. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So in October 2017, Lake Superior Court Judge. Okay. In October 2017, Lake. Superior Court Judge Samuel delayed the trial date with jury selection being scheduled to begin September 17th of 2018 and the trial beginning October 22nd of 2018. So on May 4th, 2018, Van pleaded guilty to seven murders. It's like, you went through all this. To plea out. To you plea out. you went to try to represent yourself like a dumbass. Then you was like, well, this ain't gonna work. You hired a turn, then you go through, you know, they flip all this shit around so mm-hmm. you can't get a death penalty and all this then you just like, well, I'm gonna just take this deal. But that's the thing, though. I guess Another, was the, was the effort of trying. I guess. Well, no, that deal might not have been on the table before all this effort. When you start costing the state money oh, and dragging it out, and they just want that. something to happen, you drag it out all this time. And there's like, we just want something to happen, man. Like we, if now we haven't even gone to trial yet, so that's more time. If he continues on this case, just offer him something so we can just close the books on this before the year's over. It's always money. It's, it's, it's not only money, but it's statistics, too. Because a lot of times these district attorneys and all these people, they, their jobs depend on conviction rates and how many convictions they get. Mm. So if this court case rolls over into 2018 unsolved, it looks bad on somebody looks bad for this. 
But if they're able to get a plea deal, close it, case closed. That's a closed case that they can add to their pile and add to the 98% conviction rate or whatever they have. But if they roll into 2017 or 2018 with a case still open, that's something that looks bad on them. Again. Especially something that's high profile. This dude, they, they're saying he killed like 15 people or yeah. something crazy. Again, me looking outside in, mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't know. I don't know nothing about that. Yeah, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy how much the criminal justice yeah. system is not based on justice. And that's why I'm not into all the court shit. It's yeah. Just, I'm not into it either. I don't think it's fair, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm not into it either, but I like to try to catch at least those little things so that I know why something can seem unfair. Because mm-hmm. it is unfair, mm-hmm. but it's just so much of the criminal justice system has nothing to do with justice. So much of it has to do with like promotions and somebody looking good and somebody wanting to protect their record and somebody wanting to get move up the ladder. So, you know, sometimes your case, it all depended on somebody wanting to make their career. As a judge? As a judge, as a lawyer, as mm-hmm. a whatever. Right. You could be completely innocent, but they go, no, nah, but this would look really good. This case is so big and and, and, and and so many drugs involved, so many murders involved, that if we are able to convict somebody and close the case... This is my career I'm making. Mm. Even if you're not the person, like you, Fran, mm-hmm. you might be innocent, but a lawyer or a district attorney will try to do everything they can to convince a jury that you are the person mm-hmm. so they can close that case. Because if it's not you, then it's nobody and the case is still unsolved. But if they solve the case, they get the credit, they get a promotion, it goes on their record. They're the guy that busted the 80 kilo drug massacre they, they of 2015. Business. The yeah. Business go up. Business go up. Their pay rate goes up. They can mm. charge more for cases. It's it's so much stuff involved in That's the criminal crazy. justice system that has nothing to do with he did something bad, and so he we need to convict him of a crime. Mm-hmm. There's so many other factors than that, and it's crazy. And that's one of them. I would not be surprised if the reason that this dragged out so long and why a deal was on the table is because there wasn't a deal on the table before that he could take, and then mm-hmm. finally a deal came along that went, oh, you're not going to give me the death penalty and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably all he wanted is not the death penalty. Yeah. So finally, after, you know, keeping the keep pushing the trial back and people are looking back because this isn't getting solved, finally something happens where he can go. This is like four years. Well, it's like three, three, it's like years, three like years. Like three years yeah. from 2014. Yeah. So they go, oh, my God, like just offer him a plea deal so we can get this over with. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all right, cool. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> not murder. Not, not death me? penalty. Yeah, <laughs> shit. I'll sign that. Yeah. Because if not, he just would have wrote it until – Take it as far as you can take it if you're trying to fight for your life. Even if you don't deserve to have your life, you know. He wants his life, so he would have took it as far as he could take it until they got a plea deal that said no death death penalties off the table. Mm. They were fighting to say the death penalty was unconstitutional. Yes. That's going as far as you can. <laughs> like, not only should I not be killed, nobody should be killed yeah. ever. That's a that You're going for a big fight, and you're making it a bigger thing. Now it's becoming national headlines. Is the death penalty in Indiana constitutional? Now you're getting the governor involved. Now the governor got to answer questions. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Governor, um, are you thinking about getting rid of the, the death penalty? Like, man, I wasn't going to answer. I wasn't trying to talk about this today. Now everybody's getting involved, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's, I mean, I didn't think about all that. That's, that's smart. Yeah, he just, he just he made, he made it, himself yeah. such a headache that they offered him a deal. Yeah. So Van pleaded guilty to seven, seven murders. As part of the plea agreement, prosecutors dropped the death penalty. On May 25th, 2018, Van was sentenced to seven current concurrent life sentences mm. without parole. Yep. So this is this was recent. This yeah. is just like you can go in there, Four, type it in. Six months ago. Or something. Yeah, and you can go to news and it'll pop right up. No, you know, 
people in Indiana are happy. You got the families and yeah. everything. They got some kind of justice, you know? Yeah. So, what I want to talk about a little bit, I don't want to go too far into it. It's just a couple facts mm-hmm. about the Murder Accountability Project, which is MAP. So, if you look it up, it has a whole site. It's a non-profit organization with, which des- disseminates information about homicides, especially unsolved killings and serial murders committed in the United States. This is the guy, right? With the this, is the guy, this is the guy that started it. So, the purpose of this whole thing was to improve the the accounting of unsolved homicides, assist law enforcement in clearing the nation's cold case backlog, and educate the public about the growing problem of unsolved murders. And a little fact, it was just, I, I was just reading, and it was shit like, it said, every year, at least 5,000 killers get away with murder. Mm. The rate at which police clear homicides through arrest has declined over the years until today, about a third go unsolved. So they said medical authorities documented that like 5,200 cases of infanticide, mm. while local law enforcement reported only 3,700 infant homicides. So, I mean, like, to me, the reason why I was so, it's like, it says 28% of infanticides were not reported. Like, how, what do you mean they're not reported? Like, I, th- I feel like, I feel like you'd be surprised at how many of those were able somebody was able to go this was um sids you know you know sids right yeah 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 but like it could be like in that movie i was telling you about earlier that i watched mm-hmm. the lady killed her baby by accident cuz she was sleeping on the couch with the baby this like is a movie over, of course but yeah it rolled over mm-hmm. and suffocated it but you can't i don't i don't know i don't know how you can um if there's a way to tell the difference between like a baby suffocating mm-hmm. and sids but if you just go I don't know if the baby was in the crib and they just died. If somebody's able to let that lie float and somebody goes, I don't know, it's a baby, man. We can't, I mean, it's not beat up or something, you know? You know, you could just, they might just be able to take that, is my guess. I don't know how unreported it is. Like, you have to, if the baby died, you have to bury it and report that it's not alive anymore. But sometimes people are able to let a lie off, you know? It's my guess. That's my guess. I mean, I just thought that was like, because they had a chart of, you know, the age difference. It was like infants, then one through four, or like one through eight, uh-huh. and then all the age differences. It's just like, but infants was the one that was like almost 30% that they don't get reported when, you know, it's, I mean, they just, it happens and that's just it. It's yeah. not, it doesn't become, it's not major it's not, news. Right. It, why? Because they're babies? Because they're infants? Yeah, probably. That's probably what it is. As fucked up as that that's is, it's like, up. it's like a, it's a baby, hasn't really lived a life. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so uh, vulnerable mm-hmm. that somebody could just go. I mean, you you know, oh man, it fell down the steps accidentally. Is that a story? You know, like to a person that works at a news station, it's like that's crazy. Is this newsworthy? That's sad. Unless like um, there's that crazy story. I don't know if this was in Detroit or what, but somebody went into like a funeral parlor that was abandoned, and mm-hmm. they found eleven babies in the ceiling. Wow. And real and where? In like Detroit, I think oh, it was Detroit. I, think or something. Like, oh, what the fuck? I don't think that they were murdered, but it was a funeral parlor, and they got so overrun mm. that instead of, you know, they got backed up with bodies, so they just started putting them in the ceiling. Wow. They found bodies and shit all over the place, but they found like eleven ba- babies in the ceiling. That's crazy. Because I guess what happened, my guess, I didn't look, I didn't follow up on the story. There might be more details now if you guys want to look it up. Uh, you know, uh, just type in like, you know, babies, funeral parlor, mm-hmm. ceiling. Um, my guess when I first read it was like, 
they fell behind on their payments or something, and then they had work that they had to get done. Hmm. But it's like, oh, we can't even afford to put the lights on. Just throw them in the fucking, oh, put them in the ceiling and then just close up. We're, we're gone. Come back to them later or something? Or no, just oh. we're done. We're done here. Abandon this job. The person that owned the place is like, the government's going to come foreclose on us and come take it away anyway. So instead of having to call parents and say, come pick your babies up, you know, and take them to another funeral parlor, just put them in the ceiling where we're gone. And they just wipe our hands up and we're gone. Yeah, it was an abandoned funeral parlor. That's crazy. Yeah. People are fucked up. That's man. fucking insane. People are fucked up. So I'm not surprised about, you know, people not finding interest in, in a dead baby story unless it's sensational. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like something, the baby was in an oven. The baby was, you know, something just, just so horrible that you have to report on it. Right. But just a baby dying of SIDS or a baby rolling over and being suffocated in his sleep. It's like nobody, nobody wants to hear. That's not a that's not a gra- uh, 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 headline that grabs attention. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, you can go on the site and then I went to is a map. You can go click on. I went to. Of course, I went to Baltimore County and it's yeah. just the unsolved murders that was here were strangulation. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? But this guy's probably like, his algorithm can connect those dots probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll bet that guy still is going around saying like, I mean, I don't want to say I told you so. Yeah, but I, I, I would be too. But I knew. <laughs> yeah, I knew. I, I had the data here. Like, uh, Yeah, but that was that was um, Darren Dion Van. DDV. Yeah. Just, yeah. That, was, um, that, was, that, was, that was a wild story, yeah. man. It just, it just, in in doing this podcast the way that we do it and reporting on a lot of um, mostly you know people of color true crime stories, it's crazy that 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 pattern is so consistent yeah. of inner city mm-hmm. sex workers yep. drug addicts just being mowed like mowed down by some serial killer who has freedom to move around with no fear of police because police don't you know frequent this area. Not frequent area because they do. I mean, they you know over policing is a real serious issue. But like they, they um don't zero in on. Oh, seven people died on the street in the last six months. They go, well, yeah, no, people die there all the time. It, everything can be explained away by a police officer. Six six sex workers were uh, strangled here. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, you know, sex workers, dangerous job, dangerous area. They just die. And they don't follow up and go try to connect the dots or look for further details. I mean, the Grim Sleeper, I think he got convicted for like 30. Mm-hmm. They think he killed over 100 women. Yeah. I mean, also, you know, again, for our podcast, like, you know, I asked you before we start, I asked you, have you heard of this person? I've never you say no, right, me either. But then when you go, when me researching the story, then you go put it into Google, the only thing that comes up is, when he's get when he gets convicted yeah. in 2018, when local this shit, news when this shit happened, yeah, it's like yeah. Indiana fucking news yeah, post yeah, or whatever yeah, it is, yeah, no, yeah, local news all the but, every time. But that's the only thing you see is him being convicted. It's not. It's there's nothing where it's like, oh, seven bodies were found or whatever. It's, yeah, I don't. I didn't see that article when I went when I was researching this story. It blows my mind at the um the frequency of um I think that the woman that Charles Manson killed was named Sharon Tate. The fact that I know that, and but there's so many serial killers who, I mean, and, and, and don't get me wrong, there are white serial killers that we don't know as well. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the, all the serial killers that are glorified and in the lexicon of like, oh, he's like Ted Bundy. Oh, he's like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, he's the word, the ones that get all the notoriety and the victims that get all the notoriety don't aren't don't aren't 
aren't African American, aren't Hispanic. Aren't, the Grim Sleeper killed over a hundred people supposedly. That's insane. That's like the he should be. Denzel Washington should have played the Grim Sleeper. You yeah. know, like that should have been. This should be a story everyone is familiar with. That's insane. But that guy, it's like that guy that we. We didn't. I mean, we didn't story, but we talked about that guy that recently just killed his like family. Yeah, that just happened. That was, that was biggest shit. He killed his daughter, his wife, and then his unborn. Yeah, the, yeah. she was pregnant. She's pregnant, right? And then, but this guy kills seven people in the same the same city, and it's like, I don't see a news article where it's like it was it was mid it was mid when he was in between when he was doing it, and it was like, oh, we found two. Yeah. Then we found, you know, one more. There's no article of that. It's just like, but then this guy kills his family and it's like, he the was the nice guy. Yeah. He has a suit on. Handsome. With his nice. family smiling. Yeah. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, it's that's just, just it insane. just doesn't get, it doesn't get publicized. And the problem that I find with that, it's less about, like, the killer being a person of color, which is like, I don't care about that. What I care about is the fact that. But that plays a big part in it. It does. But, but, but the, the bigger the bigger issue with that to me is mm. that this is happening in these underprivileged neighborhoods and these people aren't given the opportunity to, to be notified that this is like, you, you think it's pl- people in West Baltimore that are aware that they are potential victims of a serial killer because of how they live and, and the, the circumstances in which they live. No, because these stories don't get public attention mm. about, a, you know, guys being able to go through and kill your drug addict aunt, your your sex worker mom, who you're trying to get to get into recovery, your your uncle who is uh you know down on his luck and living and homeless, and these people are just out there, you know, being murdered mm-hmm. at crazy rates. When one person decides, all it takes is one person in these neighborhoods, in these neighborhoods specifically. You know, obviously everybody, anybody can snap and be a danger to anybody, but in these neighborhoods, the volume of murders that they're able to commit is. Every story that we read is insane. Mm-hmm. The Grim Sleeper, uh, um, uh, um, Anthony Sowell, uh, this guy that you're talking about, they kill 40, 50 people in in 10 city blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, how? like, think about how big West Baltimore is. It's not big at all. You know, think about how big, like, the inner city of Detroit is or Cleveland inner city, and they're able to kill 60 people? And nobody's looking for these people. They just stack up. You go into a building, it's just legs and shit in the... You know, like, that's mm-hmm. crazy, man. This this should be reported more. These people in these underserved communities are not only victims of the system and, 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 and uh, governments not, you know, polluting their water and shit. They're victims of people who are mentally unstable snapping one day and nobody gives a shit about uh, uh, 10,000 people living in an area that are now the potential victims of some some nut. Right. So that's the craziest part to me is why I'm, I, it upsets me when these stories don't get public attention because these people, they're in danger potentially. And they should at least be aware that, you know, if you d- decide to sell your body, that's your choice and you're free to do that. But just know that uh, if you find out that your friend is dead it and then it happens again and then you hear another story about somewhere else, it's not just a hazard of the job. It could be that you're not. It could be some person targeting you. Right. So I just, I, it just makes me upset that these stories don't get the attention that they deserve, man. But um, yeah, that's all I got. I don't have anything else to say on that. Um, that was a good story, man. Um, what was his name again? Darren Dion Van. DDV. Yeah. So that was DDV. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's my turn to close out the show and talk about some fucked up shit. So stay tuned. All right, folks. Season two, nothing new, though. Fran, are you ready for my affirmative murder this week? Yep. All right. This week, I'm going to tell you the story of Mr. Otto Shankar. A lot of Indian names in this story. So please excuse me while I, you know, I, I, I tried to do right by everybody, but, it, you know, it might not come out right every single time. <clears throat> Among the many brutal and gruesome murder cases that have rocked Chennai in its recent history, none comes close to the multiple murder cases by Otto Shankar and his group between 1987 and 1988. Born Gauri Shankar in 1955 at Kangalnilar village in the Valor district, Shankar settled down at Periyar Nagar, starting out as a painter. Shankar later started driving uh, auto rickshaws, which is like, if you ever seen like Ong Bak or any of those, Filipino Indian, they're like uh, three wheel cabs, mm-hmm. like little cabs, no they got doors. Those in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, that's an auto rickshaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he was driving one of those. Uh, he was transporting illicit alcohol from coastal hamlets between uh, Thruvan Mayor and Mama Lampur, I mean, uh, Mama Lapuram to the city. His, car, his cars were also used for transportation of young women exploited in the burgeoning flesh trade, a.k.a. sex work. So he was, you know, he got started getting involved in that seedy underworld life. Mm-hmm. With the help of his younger brother, Mohan, and his brother, Eldon, along with a group of trusted accomplices, Shankar soon established himself as the uncrowned king of the nefarious activities and through Van Mayor. Mm. So he started running shit. So he just gave himself a, a title? There was no title. He just was really about that life. He was he was fucking knocking shit out. I mean, so he thought he was the shit, though. Yeah, basically. I mean, he was the shit. He was running. The, he was he was anything that was happening and through Van Mayor, it have it yeah. happened through oh, okay. it happened through Auto. And this dude looked just like Tupac. <laughs> Crazy. He looked like Tupac with a perm. <laughs> so I started calling him Vindalupac. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> He ran, he ran prostitution dens from a line of huts in Periyar Nagar, as well as from a lodge in L, on LB Road with the collaboration of the police. So he had the cops in his pocket. Damn, that sounds yeah. like some, um, what's that cartel lead? Oh, El Chapo? Yeah. Yeah, El Paco. <laughs> he was about that, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Shankar's influence peaked in the mid in the mid 1980s and lasted just a couple years until his murders were exposed. In 1987, a young woman named a young woman named Lalitha, according to the police, was Shankar's first officially known victim. Once part of his inner circle, she ran away with Sudala Muthu, one of his confidants. But they were tracked down and brought back to pray, uh, to Periyar Nagar. So she tried to run. She tried to run away with one of his mans. Mm. Like they up. fell in love and he's like, nah, fuck that. So he killed both of them. Uh, you know, right. good guess. While Lalitha was clubbed to death and buried in a vacant plot mm. in Periyar Nagar, Sudalamuthu was set on fire. And the remains were packed in a blanket and disposed of in the Bay of Bengal. And you know, in my, you know, in in my 
imagine imaginable life of you know being where he is a mm-hmm. leader. Both of y'all gotta go. Yeah, man. Yo, y'all got too much information. Vindalupas, and you betrayed me. Yeah. Most importantly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, cancel this bitch and that bitch. Cancel them both. They should, they know that once she knew. Once they That's why they tried to run. Yeah. They tried to flee with each other. I was like, nah. Nah, you both gotta go. The taste of betrayal. That power of women, man. Yeah, man. But, you know, nothing nothing was able to stop Vindalupak at his peak. <laughs> Savage. I mean, for the guy, I'm sure it was her idea. Like, hey, let's run. Yeah. Don't All you right. love me? Crazy. Women, man. The power they have. I, yeah. And also the power they don't have. It's quite a curse to be a woman. It's like you have all this power, and then men try to take it from you. But men are weakened by you at the same time. Mm. It's like some odd form of kryptonite women are. Mm. But they just want to go to the gym and work out. They don't want to be kryptonite, but they just are. Yeah. Maybe someday they won't be. But for now, women make men go crazy. And that's just kind of how the world works. It was not until nearly 15 months later that Lalitha's remains were dug out. The gang continued to operate with impunity until Shankar was confronted by three men. Mohan, not his younger brother, just another man named mm-hmm. Mohan. Common name uh, in, the, in these parts. Sounds cool. Like John. Uh, Mohan, Sampath, and Govindaraj. That's probably like, yeah, you know, Mike, Steve, and John. <laughs> uh, they had gotten into an altercation with Shankar's men when mm. they attempted to take away one of his women. Oh, from the LB Road Lodge, you know. So they tried to they tried to mess around with his His money. Yeah, you know. So the three were rounded up, beaten to death, Mm. and their bodies were buried on a small plot of land in Periyar Nagar. I mean, this is that's sad, but I mean, like, what do they expect? Yeah, you fucking around. You fucking (laughs) fucking around with Vindalupak? You think you're not gonna get the wrath? You think you're not gonna? Not only you're not gonna. You think you're not gonna get the wrath? You're not gonna. You think you're not gonna get made an example of? Not to fuck with the supply? That's stupidity. If you ask me. No, not with no, not with Vindalupak. So got rid of them. In addition to these five murders, Shankar was also involved in the killing of a man named Ravi. So, you know, he was out here like Nino Brown in mm. New Jack City, mm. running kingpin shit. You know, Vindalupak, perm, laid. Shit was shiny. I'm going to put it up on the Facebook group, <laughs> put it up on the socials. Looked just like Tupac. When I, I'm not joking around either. When I say this guy looked like Tupac, he looked just like Tupac, but with a perm. And slightly, and slightly Indian features. Mm-hmm. Vindalupa. After the passing away of former chief minister M.G. Ramachandran, and this is where shit turned, this is shit where it goes, goes sideways because that's the guy thing. that was in his pocket. Oh, okay. So this police chief was in his pocket, but he passed away. Mm. So after Chief Rama, Ramachandran passed away in December of 1987, the state was plunged into a political crisis until governor's rule was imposed between January 1988 and 1989, which I imagine is something like martial law, mm-hmm. where it's like, you got to be in at this time. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. The government has taken over and will dictate how your life is for the next year. Mm. You have to follow our rules. Right. The parents of some of the missing men later approached Governor P.C. Alexander as the through Van Mayor police had failed to act on the earlier complaints. So people were when, uh, you know, John, Mike and Steve, the three guys that took his uh, tried, tried to take one yeah. of his tried to take one of his women when they got killed and disappeared. And and, and uh and uh, what's homegirl's name? Uh, um. The one that was murdered? Yeah, when Lalitha L- L- yeah. and uh and uh 
Sudulamuthu, when all these people went missing, people came to the police department and was like, my kid is missing. My family's missing. They were like, I don't know. We'll look into it. But they're in the pocket. So, so they just take the pocket it. too? Huh? He got them. He had the, the local police department in his pocket. Oh, shit. I, so, thought, I thought he lost that when the, when the chief died. But I'm saying now the police chief is dead. So oh, these okay. people came right. back around oh, okay. when the new authority came in place, whoever the governor or the new police chief, they came back around like, yeah, man, we said that our kids and our family members were missing. We told them this a year ago. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell you now. But yeah. now these people aren't in the pocket. Right. So they start doing research okay. and looking into it. Gotcha. Yeah, so following the governor's direction to uh, Jafar Ali, Deputy, Deputy Inspector General of the Police, uh, Chengai Range, a new team of policemen was formed. So it was like a like SWAT almost, mm-hmm. like a new task force. Uh, has been put into place now that the old police chief died and there's all this chaos going on in the midst of this police overturn. They 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 kind of built a new task force. Mm-hmm. And that task force was, was called uh, Chengai Range. And this team uh, was, it included inspectors from several different departments, like the cream of the crop, almost like the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like all the best guys from homicide and missing persons and, 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 and everything all formed onto this Chengai Range team along with uh, this guy named uh, Ari, one name. And he was the constable from a neighboring uh, village na- called uh, Thuru uh, Manalai, which is like the next door district to Thruvanmayor. Mm. It's like the next door place. So, But he was well known by uh, my man Otto Shankar, but not in a good way. Okay. So this guy knew who he was. They knew they had a they had a relationship, but he wasn't in the pocket, which is like mm-hmm. the most dangerous person to be. Because like I know how you get which down, I right. but I don't take your money. I'm good police. Oh, okay. So he came in with a grudge, like, oh yeah, I know how he gets down, and now I'm on the team. We're gonna bring this guy down. Mm. So Ari's Ari's inputs were invaluable, and once Shankar's accomplices were rounded up and interrogated. They spoke about each of the murders and how they disposed of the bodies. Snitching. Hmm. The unearthed the unearthing in 1988 of the bodies of Lalitha and the three men created a sensation among the residents. After Shankar's arrest, the policemen made a thorough recovery of his property and found a diary which had photos of policemen of different ranks posing with him. Hmm. So he had a diary like, you know, squad but it's like the the police chief and all kind of local foot soldiers and shit, all him. people that in, in his pocket. Mm. Like, yeah, man, if I tell him to kill you, he will kill you. Don't call these police. I'm Otto Shankar. I'm Vindaloo Pac. King Kong ain't got shit on me. This is the kind of energy he was walking around with, you know? I mean, you got power like that? Yeah. So, um... At least a couple of, of policemen who had served in uh, through Van Mayor were immediately suspended, while a third, an officer of the rank of deputy superintendent, was sent on a long leave and later suspended. So basically, you know, police trust is in shatters at this point. You know, like you find out that all these police were bought and all this kind of stuff. So they start cleaning house. Anybody who had a photo with them, anybody who they didn't trust is not bought. They've suspended them and, and arrested them eventually. Shankar and his men were interrogated at at Palavaram police station before they were transferred to Chennai Central Prison from where Shankar made a daring escape with the help of a woman. 
So this is this is very El Chapo. This is Indian El Chapo, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he subsequently tracked down. He was subsequent. He he was subsequently tracked down at Rorkella Steel City, Odisha, and brought back and subsequently hanged at Salem Prison along with Eldon and another accomplice. Hey. Three jail wardens were also punished for helping Shankar escape. Oh, so he did more help than just a woman. Yeah, man, he had everybody was bought. <laughs> he had that kind of money. That's crazy. But eventually, after he was caught, he was hanged, and the the wardens who were involved in his escape were also brought to justice and arrested. Mm. And that was the story of Otto Shankar. Just something quick. I thought it was cool. Uh, the reason I wanted to do that story is because I feel like um, I feel like Indian guys are the next guys to get their just due. Like crazy rich Asians came out and 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 uh you know uh the guy from The Walking Dead is like Asian guys are sexy now a little bit. Like they aren't just some joke of like people pulling their eyes back and putting in crazy fake teeth and mm. doing weird accents. Like people are starting to respect them in the world of entertainment as like an uh, Asian guy can be sexy and all this kind of stuff. But this Asian, because Indian is on the continent of Asia, Indian guys are still like, oh, we're nerds and Oh, IT people, and we're mm. you know soft spoken. Nah, Vindalupak was about that life. Otto Shankar was a thug, and like you can, there's dangerous people in India. They're not all people that know how to help you fix your computer mm-hmm. and run Seven Elevens. That too, and Dunkin' Donuts is too. Yeah, they nice. got that on lock. I don't nice. know if that's like the easiest uh, franchise to buy into. It is. It's the cheapest. Yeah, Indian people have those on lock, mm-hmm. man. And you don't need experience. I looked it up. Oh, okay, yeah. That, <laughs> I might I might try to get involved in that because uh, they got it. Every Indian person, like, I feel like every Dunkin' Donuts I go into is run by an Indian and person. And Subway. And Subway. These yeah. are cheap. These must be these must yeah. be like the easiest ones to come over, yeah. get your, get your uh, resident, or get your, uh, what do they call that? Get your citizenship mm-hmm. and just put your money in. I'm going to start a Dunkin' Donuts. Or I'm yeah. going to start a, a Subway. I'm going to start a, what's the other one? 7-Eleven. Yeah, know? I looked it up. I was like, I, I was like, they is, because McDonald's, you got to have like biz, business, like Another business ownership experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you got 150, but I don't know how much it is for Dunkin' Donuts, but if you got it, They'll let you, yeah, you don't need to have like, I worked at a Krispy Kreme, yeah. but nah, I just got the money. But now, it's a lot of like, Americans at the Dunkin' Donuts. I've been seeing that a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. Pull up black. You know what? The one down my street, the one down the street for me, yeah, it is, is it's a lot of couple of couple of you know college white kids, yeah, working at that Dunkin' Donuts. But we're not far from a college. But anyway, my, <laughs> my point is the reason I wanted to do this story was just like I've I, you know aside from my man Thug Barim, which I did on this story, that was from like three hundred years ago though. He was like this cult leader, mm-hmm. thug, pretty boy, prince looking motherfucker, but was savage. Mm-hmm. This guy looks like Tupac. I will put the picture up. Looks like Tupac was ruthless, was respected, was a thug in his parts, and he wasn't, you know, the stereotype of what Americans think uh, Indian people are. And I just, I thought that was so cool to be reading the story and be feeling like I'm watching The Sopranos or watching The Wire. Like, me me reading this story, I was like, oh, shit, he killed the girl that betrayed him and his man, and, you know. That's a movie. Yeah. That's a movie, yeah. Yeah. Sit your $5 ass before I make change. That's Vindaloo Pac. That's Otto Shankar. Mm. He didn't play that shit. He was ruthless. And I thought that was just kind of crazy to see from that part of the world. Because mm. you, we all have our implicit biases of what we think an Indian person is, you know? Did he have pictures of him with the, the law enforcement? Uh, that I know of, no. The oh. only photo that I have is him just kind of chilling, perm, wavy. 
face looking exactly like is it like a real like is it like a like a photo i mean like a photo like you know it was planned you know what i mean no, it kind of looks like a um, like a fucking like candid. It kind of looks like oh, a candid, okay. like, like an Abraham Lincoln photo. And no, shit. no, 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 no. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't think he had that kind of money. It was like paint me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I had, my, had my finger on my chin. I just no, don't. No. I don't like those pictures because I don't believe him. Yeah, no, reason. no. This was like a. He was like at hanging out. Okay, somebody yeah. Snapped, okay. Somebody snapped a photo. That's of real him. deal. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. yeah. I'm gonna put that up, and uh, I just that photo was amazing. So that was Otto Shankar, also known as Vindalupak, according to me. That's what I named him. That's what mm-hmm. I dubbed him as because he looks like Tupac Shakur. And uh, that was my affirmative murder this week. Now, my question to you, Fran. Mm-hmm. Um, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Okay. I want to roll right now. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see if that roll continues. Okay. You know what time it is, folks. Let's do this. And now, it's time for True Crime's Hottest Game Show. Frazzle. That's right, folks. Once again, it's season two, but it ain't nothing new. Welcome to another episode of Frazzle Fran, the game show where I try to frustrate, fluster, and flummox and frazzle my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And even though it's season two, I'm never going to give up the, my, uh, uh, my test of trying to ruin this guy's day by getting them all wonky in the brain and mad when he can't figure something out. <clears throat> so, Fran, are you, are you ready? Yep. All right. <clears throat> A guy was found dead in his study by his friend. The victim's friend called the police. He told them that when he was walking by the victim's place, he thought that he would pay him a visit. But as soon as he wiped the frost on the window to peep inside, he saw his body laying on the floor and therefore immediately called the police. The officer immediately arrested him for the murder of his friend. How did the officer know he was lying? I read that again for me. That's, that's a little wordy too, but read it again. You gotta, gotta pay attention. A guy was found dead by his friend. The victim's friend called the police when they arrived i'll add that in so you understand Mm -hmm. when they arrived he told them that when he was walking by the victim's place he thought he would pay him a visit but as soon as he wiped the frost off the window to peep inside he saw his body lying on the floor and therefore immediately called the police the officer then immediately arrested him for the murder of his friend how did the officer know he was lying? Hmm. How did the officer know he was lying? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hold on. Now what? Wait, what? What guy? I'm confused now. I'm really confused now. I'm going to give you the book. So, I'm not reading this fucking thing. <laughs> so a guy, according to him, okay. was walking by to visit his friend. Mm-hmm. When he went to go wipe the window off just to look inside and see what he was doing, he saw his friend was dead on the ground. So he called the police. The police arrived, and he told them 
yeah, man, I'm just going to come pay a visit to my friend. I went to go wipe the fog off the window. And when I wiped the fog off, I looked inside and saw he was dead. So I called you guys. The police go, you, that's, you're, you're under arrest. You're lying. How did they know he was lying? Hmm. He was on the outside. Mm-hmm. And he wiped the fog off the window. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't be able to see in if he did that. Why? Because he was inside and he did it. Wait, what? Because he... Because he was in... Because you can't wipe the fog on the out... I don't know, I'm making this bullshit. But you had to be inside. He did it. He did it. <laughs> okay, he man, did man. it, but hey, man, I just can't... Me. You don't have to yell at me, man. You, <laughs> you don't he have to did it me, man. because if for some... I don't know anything about the science or anything, uh-huh. but something about the fog being on the outside of the window ain't happening. So he did it, though. In some weird, and I'm correct. In, I'm in correct. Some weird, I just don't know it scientifically, though. <laughs> in some weird ghetto way, I have to give it to you because you just kind of like said it in a weird way. But yes, that is correct. Uh, fog does not uh, accumulate on a window from the outside. Yep. It accumulates on a window from the inside. Thank you, sir. So he could not wipe off fog that was not there. If he would have wiped, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Yep. So he lied. He can't see it inside. Hey, man. Yeah, man. I yeah. didn't word it right, but I, I, knew, I knew what I was talking about. You got it. You know each other long enough. You understand what I was saying. <laughs> there was a point there you were like, he can't outside. He, uh, I don't know. It's uh him. He's on the in there, but he can't be on the outside of it. Yeah. I was like, I know what he's he, trying yeah. to say. <laughs> <laughs> Some way he on it. Ain't no way he saw that from the outside. Yes. All right. Hey, so, man, yes. Hey, yeah. hey, look. I'm on now. Okay, all right, very, very confident answer from friends. So, afterwards, not saying it in a very uh, educated a, yeah, type yeah, of way, yeah, no, but, you, but the confidence <laughs> is still there. Season two, the confidence is not uh, dissipated. Fran, you've once again not been frazzled. Fuck. Uh, hey, you know, I'm 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 on a roll right now. What's that? Three in a row? It's something like that. Yeah, man. I'm you know I'm impressed a little bit. I can't lie. Uh, Fran has once and again not been frazzled, folks. If you if you guys are anybody out there is a riddle master who can make a, up a riddle, because the ones that are available to the public right now are lacking. They are no. not strong ones. I'm this, about to, no, I'm about to have to start reading do. him regular riddles about no, 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 dogs. No, no, and no, shit. no, no. That's what we're gonna do. Next, I, I'm on a roll right now, so I deserve a buy next week. Wow. Okay. I deserve a buy. So it's your turn next week. Oh. Fair see, how, see how good you are. Fair enough. Okay. Please. We got this. This is already this documented. So documented I don't, don't want to hear nothing next else. Next week. Yep. Don't, you have to remember, though. I will. Okay. Next week, apparently, Fran has a bye week. And as a champion of Frazzle Fran, he will now frazzle me next week, apparently. Uh, but this has been another episode of. You want to? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on my. my uh, a throne right now. You go. Wow. There. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, all right. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in True Crime France. So, Evans, season two is in full effect. Welcome to another year of Affirmative Murder. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Deuces.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 